Welcome to the Beyond the Reiki Gateway podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Andrea. And I'm Kathleen. And we're taking this episode to answer some questions that have been sent in by listeners just like you. Let's get started, and I'll ask the first question, Kathleen. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Andrea. (laughs) Great. The first question has come in asking, I'm a new practitioner, and I'm beginning to see and receive information about my clients. Do I share the information or not? Mm, That's a really good one, Kathleen. Uh, What do you think about that one? That is a good question. And it's one that I've encountered before. And believe it or not, it seems to generate some controversy, shall I say, in the healing community, the Reiki community. There are some people who feel that, yes, of course, you need to share the information. And there are others who are a little more reluctant to do so. And each faction, if you will, has their reasons for that. But, and it's a great question. So if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and share my thoughts on it and how I handle that when I received information. Sure. Well, since I've been doing many, many Reiki sessions over the years, I have received quite a bit of information from my clients. It didn't start out that way, but as time went on and I became more experienced and more open to the energies and to my intuition, I started to receive a lot of information. Initially, I was a little, I didn't know what to do with that. I was a little confused and do I share it? I didn't really know. But then Reiki really came into the picture and guided me as to what to do. And my guidance told me that the information that comes in is for your client, for the person receiving the Reiki. That's who the information is for. Since you are the channel for Reiki, it is suggested, recommended that you share that information with that person And of course, always delivered in a very compassionate, kind, and loving way. And I have taken that guidance and pretty much adhered to that over the years, believing, I still do, that the information is for the client. And it is my responsibility, I guess you could say, to share that with the client. Now, of course, clients will sometimes get their own information when they're receiving a Reiki session, and that's wonderful. But my thought, my perspective is that if I receive information, I am kind of responsible for sharing that. But Andrea, like I said, there are various ways of looking at this, so I'm curious as to what you think about it. I've really come full circle on this question. When I first started receiving information and visuals and things like that, it really sort of spooked me a little bit because I didn't know what to do and I I was confused. I didn't feel at that time, given my training that I had had in Reiki beforehand, I didn't think that that was part of Reiki. And so I really resisted it. 
And I just kept being the analytical person that I was. I admit I still am, but I would always go back to the definition of Reiki, which is spiritually guided life force energy. I would cling to that and I would say, no, it's just the energy. Who am I to tell people things? Because I felt like I might be wrong and I couldn't accept the fact that I could tell them something and perhaps I had misinterpreted it. And the last thing I ever wanted to do was mislead anyone. So way back then, I thought, you know, better to be safe than sorry. And I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And that's it. But I have to tell you, it became more and more uncomfortable for me to do that. It was almost like I just kept swallowing it. If you can imagine, like just gulping the information, the words down, and it just became unbearable. It was just, I couldn't sustain that. I happened to be mentioning that to my husband one day, and he said, you just need to tell them. And the way he said it was just so matter of fact, like, duh. And I just thought, you know, that's just so simple. And he said, the information's for them. It's not for you. I guess a light bulb went off and I decided to listen to that. And little by little, I started sharing the information and it just was received beautifully. I knew that was the way for me to go. It's not easy. And it's also not easy to trust what comes. And maybe we'll get into that in a future episode Kathleen, all about intuition. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. oof, that's a huge topic all by itself. But let's shift the question and look at it from the other perspective. If you are a client who is going to have a Reiki session, what is it that you want? Because some practitioners don't receive information. Right. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them or how they practice. That's just how their practice is at that time. Correct. And then there are other practitioners that are very intuitive and that do share the information. So I think that if anyone listening is out there thinking about having a session, if you have a strong opinion about that, if you do want feedback, then make sure that you're looking for a practitioner that offers that. You know, why leave it to chance? If it's important to you, ask your practitioner or your potential practitioner up front. How does the session go? Do you offer feedback? Because there have been times that I've heard from people that have reported being disappointed that some Reiki practitioners don't offer a lot of feedback. On the other hand, some people are shocked they receive the information because they haven't had that before. So I think it's an opportunity to be clear. Whatever your practice looks like, be upfront and transparent about it so that potential clients know what to expect. Yeah, that's excellent advice. It should go without saying that we need to be upfront and transparent, but we still do need to say it, I guess. I absolutely agree. We need to let the client know everything that could happen in a Reiki session and if we do provide feedback. And I also am careful to tell them that there's no guarantee I'm going to receive information. Of course not. But I always tell them that It's likely because it's usually what happens for me, but I can't say for sure. But then I also ask them if I do receive information for them, do they want to know what it is? 
I think they have to have the right of first refusal, right? The information is for them, but I think they have to decide whether it's something they want to hear or not. Now, I will say in my experience, the vast majority want to know. I can only Mm -hmm. remember, I think, one or two instances where someone said, no, I'm really just here to, you know, make my back or my shoulder feel better, that kind of thing. And of course, I respect that. But by and large, people want to know. But I always ask, I will always say, you know, if this happens, what do you want me to do? And I think that's part of being transparent as well, because I don't want people to be blindsided or freaked out if they hear information that they're not expecting. I don't want that. I certainly don't want them leaving a session feeling upset or freaked out in any way. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that, Kathleen. And before we move on to our next question, I think to answer the question as best I can, at least, I think it's up to the individual practitioner. You know, I don't think there is any hard and fast rule for sharing information. As you mentioned earlier, some practitioners just practice Reiki. They don't get into the intuitive portion of it because that's not their Reiki path. Every one of us who practices Reiki or any of the healing arts is doing it in our own unique way. The clients that come to us are guided to us. I truly believe that because of what we can offer them. But at the same time, I think we need to be aware that we are unique and everyone has to come to their own decision about whether or not to share information. So at the end of the day, uh, do what honors you. Be true to yourself. I think that's the best advice I can personally give because that's what feels right to me. Absolutely. It's all about the practitioner's comfort level. You have to be comfortable with how you are practicing, how you are interfacing with your clients and what you're offering. Be who you are. Right. Don't don't try to go out on a limb and offer intuition if it doesn't come to you. And also don't bottle it up if it does. Right. It's all about investigating that as a practitioner and the transparency. Absolutely. And I liked your emphasis on first right of refusal for the client (laughs) right? in hearing the information or not. That's important to remember. Let's move on. And this question's quite interesting. Kathleen, have you ever been frightened in a Reiki session? How about that? Wow. (laughs) That that was unexpected. Have I ever been frightened in a Reiki session? Um, I'll have to think about that for a moment. I can't say... I've ever been frightened. I have been startled (laughs) and I've been Mm -hmm. surprised on more than one occasion, but frightened, I can't say that's ever happened to me. Part of that, I think, is because we're channeling Reiki. We are in a very protected space when we're channeling Reiki. I truly believe that. In my years of conducting sessions and working with clients, I've never had a reason to feel afraid or that something untoward or malignant was going to, you know, come after me. Not at all. I think that we are in a very protected, loving space when we're channeling Reiki, but I have been startled on occasion. 
How about you, Andrea? Well, I would really agree with you because one thing is for sure about Reiki. We can never truly predict how a session is going to go. The person asked, had we ever been frightened? And I think in truth, the answer for me as well is no. I have been startled, just like you mentioned, perhaps being surprised at some of the things that come up in a session. I would attribute that more to my own human self. But the point I want to make is frightened, no, because that does imply, I don't know, I'm going to say dark or scary, something like that. And I would say, no, I have not encountered that at all. I agree with the Reiki energy. All I've ever experienced is protected space automatically. And not to go too off track here, but it goes along with that whole idea of protection. And we talked about that in a, in a much earlier episode, energetic protection. And in the Reiki space, I don't really worry about it. It's right. not been an issue for me. If I had ever truly felt frightened in a session, most definitely I would probably focus on protection. But for me, that's just never really been my experience. And I will say one instance comes to mind and, and it startled me. And I will say I wasn't frightened, but I think it was more about me feeling like, uh-oh, what do I do here? So it was my own doubt in myself as a practitioner, perhaps, of how do I move through this for my client and offer them the highest possibility that I can. That is just about being a person and my own right. level of comfort with my skills. But again, something frightening? No, no, absolutely not. Yes, I understand that completely. And I like what you said about you never know what's going to happen in a Reiki session. And this is something I'm always careful to tell my clients. We, we just don't know. Every session is unique, even a session for the same client, you know, over time, every single one is different. And I always say, expect the unexpected. It's just the way it is. I think that's important to remember, but even so, and you, you touched on a good point there. We're human, we're people. And if something happens that's unexpected, I can be startled. Like, what was that? <laughs> but I have never honestly felt frightened. And there's a big difference. There is a distinction between being startled and frightened. And I can honestly say I've never been frightened. So I think we've yeah. hopefully answered that question, you know, to the best of our ability. I feel like maybe I was a bit mysterious. Let me just give a quick example, and, and then maybe you want to, too, Kathleen. I don't know. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But something that startled me was I had a client, and she was on the Reiki table, and she had come in. Her shoulder was really bothering her. This wasn't just a short-lived sort of thing. It had really uh, become chronic for her. I was standing at her shoulder offering Reiki there. And just in the flow, and as I looked down at her body, I was startled because I saw in my mind's eye, or however you want to put it, my eyes were open, but I saw small little, they looked like seeds of light, seeds of light, and they were moving into her shoulder and sticking in her shoulder. In my mind, I asked, what on earth is that? 
You know, I had never seen anything like that before. And I received the information that these were indeed little seeds of Reiki that were being placed in her shoulder and empowered and charged. And so that even after the session would end, she would take the little seeds in her shoulder to continually offer her Reiki to help her shoulder. I was astounded. I'd never seen anything like that. And that's what I mean about being startled. So, you know, it's a good startled. It's it's yeah. not negative. Mm-hmm. It's just surprising. That is a really cool story. Little seeds of light. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that is a good startled. Yeah, it was. And I think it goes to show one other quick thing to point out is I didn't mean for that to happen. You know, I was a witness. Right. And it's just beautiful what can happen in a session. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, being in my my little human mind, that, that was startling. Okay, that's a good one. I can then share a brief one too Okay. Uh, that startled me. This was a few years ago, and I was still doing my sessions in person at that time. And I was working with one of my regular clients who had a host of physical ailments and issues. As I was channeling Reiki to her, and as I usually do during the session going over the body and the energy field, I heard very clearly, she needs to stop eating death. Now, yes, that was startling. (laughs) That was very startling. I would think so. I think I gasped. I think I went, because it was so startling. I eventually figured out intuitively that it was Mother Earth. Mother Earth had come into my Reiki session, which she does from time to time. She had a comment. (laughs) That was her comment about my client's diet and lifestyle, which Mother Earth indicated was contributing to her illnesses. So Mm. I then had, you mentioned this earlier, I then had the unenviable task of, do I share this with her? And if I do, mm. how can I say this without freaking her out? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that did startle me. And ultimately, I did share it with her. It was very well received, thank goodness. And she said, I know this is something I've been struggling with. And I really appreciate hearing that from Mother Earth. And I heaved a huge sigh of relief internally. <laughs> So yeah, mm-hmm. again, right. completely unexpected. And this was a regular client. I saw her every three or four weeks and every session was different. I never knew what to expect and I still don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's just such an important thing to underscore. Mm-hmm. You just can't prepare really no. for what will happen no. in a session. And I think that's amazing and beautiful and I wouldn't have it any other way. Same here. It keeps it interesting, doesn't it? It does. It sure does. Okay. Ready to move on? Sure. All right. Let's see what our next one is here. How about this one? I've always felt a connection to angels, and I'm wondering if it's possible for me to work with them, and how could I even do that if I wanted to? And then the person also asked, do you work with angels? Boy, these questions are really good, Andrea. I'm kind of impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Yes. (laughs) These are good questions. Let's take a moment to just shout out to all of our listeners. Yeah, send us your questions so that we can address them on future episodes, because this is really fun for us. It is. 
Yeah, it is really fun to see what the questions are. And even if you want some spiritual advice, ask us about that too. Of course, I would love that. It would be a fun episode to offer spiritual advice to those who listen and have a particular issue they're struggling with. Or just want our take on something. Absolutely. Perhaps they experienced. Okay, so angels. Angels. Connecting with angels. Yep. (laughs) That's a good question, as I've already said, because a lot of people are interested in angels, especially those who get into the healing arts, Reiki, any other kind of spiritual path or work. My answer to that is, of course, you can certainly work with the angels. We all have the ability to work with angels. They're always around us. They are in our lives. Most of us are unaware of that, but they're always with us. They're always around us, and they are always willing to work with us. Now, here's the thing. Because of free will, angels are not going to randomly you know, butt into your lives and start telling you what to do or giving you guidance or advice. However, they are more than willing to help you if they are invited. They must be invited. You must welcome them in and ask for their help. And that's easy enough to do. It's a matter of simply inviting them in. And after that happens, I suggest just remaining open and aware. And I know that they will be with you and they will be sending messages and signs that can help you on your path. Now, as far as calling them in during meditation, I think that's wonderful. I have done that many times, depending on the purpose of my meditation at that particular moment. I will often call in the angels, and I often invite them into my sessions. In fact, in the past few years, I do that almost always. I didn't always work with angels. I'm not a person who connected with angels early in my childhood or when I first started on my spiritual path. But as time went on, I could feel that I was ready for that, and I could feel that they were ready to work with me. So most of my sessions now involve working with the angels. The one with whom I work most often is Michael, Michael the Archangel. And it's wonderful because he actually works with several of my clients. We are able to compare notes on guidance and suggestions And more often than not, it's consistent. It's always consistent. So I know that I am doing the right thing by my clients. I also used to work very closely with Metatron. I haven't had much contact with him, I would say, in the past couple of years. But I always leave the door open. So I guess the short answer to your question is, of course, you can work with the angels. Just be sure to invite them in and request their help in whatever way you want their help. And then just remain open and aware and see what happens. Andrea, do you work with angels? I regularly invite the angels in all the time. Even if I'm going to record a YouTube video for the channel, they are always welcomed. I'm always calling them in. 
even for online Reiki shares, creating that sacred space, intending to raise the vibration. I've actually gone around to the four corners of my property and I invite the angels to come down and actually create, this might sound really weird, but I've invited the angels to come down and even create a gateway or a portal where they can come through easily to the earth plane. And I invite them to use our property to come in to not only help my family, but the earth and to help keep the space clear and of higher vibration. Yes, I think it's definitely worth exploring because as you said, and as I mentioned earlier, they're there for us. They're always around us and they really do want to work with us, but they need to be invited and it needs to be voluntary. And we need to also ask for their help. And it doesn't have to be a very specific request or it can be general, but sometimes it helps to be a little specific. So they have a sense of what it is you're after And although they know what you want, they want you to know what you want. So being somewhat specific about your goal in working with the angels is also helpful. I've always enjoyed working with them since I started. I can't imagine not working with them anymore. I'm glad you touched on the reluctance to start working with angels. And for me, I think it was about worth. Part of it was that. But you said, like, who, me? It's just me. Why would the angels want to work with me, right? That kind of feeling. But also, most of my contact with angels was as a child growing up in Catholic school. We all had a guardian angel. And usually that guardian angel was there to not only protect us, but to kind of scold us and keep us in line, I was kind of, I'm not willing to go down that road again, if you know what I mean. And so I had a kind of an odd idea of what angels were all about based on those early experiences. But I've learned a lot since then, thank goodness, because the angels are wonderfully helpful, always supportive, always loving, Now, I can also say that sometimes they can be a little stern, somewhat parental, if they think we need a good talking to, (laughs) but they always do it in a loving way. I really love how you made that point about sometimes the guidance can be stern and it's kind of parental because there's a myth out there, I think, that some people buy into that high guidance has to feel really great all the time. You know, like unicorns and rainbows all the time. We're humans living on earth. We can't get along all on unicorns and rainbows. I mean, we need to make decisions and sometimes those decisions are hard decisions to make. And we need a little wake up call or some clarity or something like that along the way to help us see from the perspective we need to stand in, in order to move forward in a meaningful and high way. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. And I love the fact that you brought that up because I just feel it's a spiritual myth 
about how high guidance needs to be all the time. And I appreciate you bringing that up and being real about it. Well, you're welcome. I I thought that was an important point to make. And yes, you're absolutely right. The guidance does not always feel like cotton candy and unicorns and butterflies and rainbows. Absolutely not. But it's always delivered in a very supportive, loving way. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is an important distinction because it's not as if we're being scolded and sent to our rooms. We are being given another way to be. We are being given another perspective. Mm -hmm. And I can just tell when that kind of guidance comes in that it's to turn me in a bit of a different direction from the path I was on. So I never feel like I was scolded. I use the word stern mm-hmm. because it kind of what it reminds me of, but it doesn't make me feel bad. It makes me feel comforted knowing that I have this wonderful source that's looking after me. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is a great comfort. And I have spoken to many folks over the years who work with the angels on a regular basis, and almost all of them describe that sense of comfort. When you're working with the angels, you feel very comforted because they're angels and just beautiful beings that are operating at a high vibration and knowing that they are with us and have our backs is amazingly comforting. Yes, And with that, let's go on to our next question. Have you ever had a deceased person show up during a Reiki session? Boy, the the interesting questions just keep on coming, don't they? They do. They do. (laughs) That's another good one. I like that. And my answer to that is yes. Mm. And it is not all that unusual. And more often than not, it is someone with whom the client has a strong relationship, either could be in this lifetime or a previous lifetime. And so, yes, it it happens. And it can be one of those times when you're startled, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a deceased person come into your session? Yes, on many, many occasions. And you're right. It is startling. Mm -hmm. One time, though, comes to mind, and it wasn't startling because I didn't even understand what was happening. I was in a session and the woman was laying down on the Reiki table and I went around to her side. It was her left side. And I just happened to look at her hand and I cannot describe in words, this overwhelming attraction that I had to her hand. I just had to no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Take her hand in my hand. There was no getting around it. And I thought, this is really weird. I don't normally do this. I was outside my comfort zone with that, but I'm like, I can't not do it. You know, it was that feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So I gently put her hand in mine. And then some words came into my awareness that I told her. And it was sort of like we were talking about earlier, where you get that intuition. Well, there was no way I could not speak the words to her. And they didn't Mm -hmm. make sense to me. But at the end of the session, we talked about that. And she had made some difficult 
decisions along the way with one of her parents uh, before they passed on. And the words were to comfort her and to let her know she did everything beautifully for that person. And she had worried if she had made, you know, the right decisions in in the care and in that kind of thing. And so in that sense, a deceased person came, but I didn't see them uh, there. It it came through in Mm -hmm. a kind of an unexpected way. But I have had it also where I've just noticed a presence in the room actually standing mm-hmm. next right. to the table. Right. And mm-hmm. that that can be pretty startling, that's for sure. Oh, yes. The one that comes to mind to me is exactly that. I was doing a Reiki session for, again, a regular client, not the one who got kind of scolded by Mother Earth, <laughs> a different one. <laughs> right. And, and I was doing my session focused on the client and the energy All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a man slouched in the corner of my healing space. He was older. He had a cap on that was pulled down like low over his eyes. He had a jacket on and old pants. He just looked like his clothing was old, kind of worn out. And he had a cigarette in his hand. And talk about startled. I'm thinking, what is going on? He's just stood there. He was there for the entire session. And I was was doing my best to ignore him. (laughs) But it was... What? (laughs) It was difficult. I mean, I couldn't help. I kept looking at him and thinking, what do you want? Who are you? Right. And finally, finally, after several minutes, because it was clear he wasn't going anywhere... I heard him say, she needs to know it was me. And I'm, okay, all right, fine. And then he sort of disappeared, I guess would be the best way to say it. After the session, I was discussing the information with my client. I hadn't yet shared the man in the corner. She said, you know, I think my grandfather came through and he was saying a lot of stuff to me, but I don't know. She said, I don't know if I was just making it up or not. And my eyes got really big. And I said, well, (laughs) I I think he was here. And I described the man. And she said, oh, my goodness, that's him. He always had a cigarette. He always wore that cap. And he never stood up straight in his entire life. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow. And I said, well, he said that you needed to know that it was him. Because she had received information. Mm-hmm. So that was, I, I'm actually, I actually have chills. Again, I just do recounting too. This experience I do too. Oh my goodness. It was, it was one of those times when you can't make this stuff up. That's right. And you know that it absolutely was what I thought it was. So yes, yes that was one deceased person that came in and it has happened more often than that, of course, but Again, I've never felt afraid. It's always been more of a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, who are you? <laughs> what do you want? Right. <laughs> Why are you in my Reiki session? Yes. And more often than not, I will get some sort of an answer for that. I'm not sure about you, Andrea, but you get an idea of why they are there. Yes. I think those answers come because 
as you mentioned, there's a curiosity there, you know, who are you? And what I found is when I ask those questions, that's when the information comes in. And I think ask and you shall receive. And that goes back to the angel question. I think ask for help, you receive the help. But absolutely, I think you have to ask. Yeah, I think in both cases that we've been talking about the deceased person and the angels, the power's in the question and the intention Mm -hmm. to receive the the help or the answer. So I love that story. I love it. And you are so right. You can't make this stuff up. And I think we've (laughs) said that a lot, uh, but it's so true. So true. It is true. And that's certainly one you could never predict. So that goes in the column again of you can never predict what's going to happen in a session. Right. Expect the unexpected. Yes. And the final question today sort of piggybacks on that last one, Kathleen. Someone has asked, can Reiki be used to help people who have passed on? Well, I'm pretty much incapable of giving a short answer to anything, (laughs) but... But the short answer to this question is, yes, you can most certainly send Reiki to those in spirit. I have done so on many occasions, not only to humans who have passed on, but to animals who have passed on. And even more importantly, uh, to those who have always been in spirit, maybe the ascended masters, the angels, It's just, why not? You know, Reiki is a spiritual energy. It comes from spirit. It comes from source. It has always been my conviction that those on the other side, if you will, are always happy to receive Reiki, just as we are on this side. So, of course, I why not, right? Yes, and I think, again, maybe that worth question comes up. You know, it does for me every time, every time you talk about Mm -hmm. offering anything to those in spirit, like ascended masters and angels, my mind always goes there. Even though I've done that in the past, I still think that. And recently, I introduced this idea to a group of my students, and one of the women had some trouble that she described, and, and it went back to that feeling of worth, but also her question was, you know, pretty valid what can Reiki do for someone in spirit, like an ascended master? I mean, do they really need healing? She had a lot of questions about that. And I don't know if you want to chime in there. My experience is it isn't really about healing. It's about connection with them. And it's about sharing those moments with that being. That's what it's all about. I've never felt as though there was a need for healing. I, I don't don't think that's the, the point of it, really. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you. That might be for healing. You know, if they are becoming acclimated to being on the other side yes. or mm-hmm. whatever. My dad passed away almost 14 years ago. I still offer Reiki yes. to him. Not because I think he needs to be healed, but because I think it's just a gesture of love. Mm -hmm. a gesture of gratitude for him being my father in this lifetime and a gesture of appreciation for the ability to offer this to him. But when we're channeling it to higher level beings, I think for me, 
it's a matter of, as you said, connection and again, gratitude mm-hmm. and appreciation. Yes. But also, you know, there is no limit to the vibrational energy that we can achieve. Even those in spirit can always increase their vibration, right? Mm. It's infinite. So sending Reiki to those in spirit, even if they're already operating at an incredibly high frequency, why not? There's always room to, to grow even more. And even those in spirit are growing all the time. Right. Evolution never ceases. Correct. Nor does consciousness. Right. And when we send Reiki to someone in the spiritual realm, whether they were a former human or a guide or uh, an ascended master or an archangel, that is going to be put to good use in whatever way benefits that entity the most just as it does with people on earth receiving Reiki. That is my thought on it anyway. When you use the word gratitude, and you also mentioned appreciation, oh, that so resonates with me. Because one of the ways I think about it is in the context of time. As humans, we are always on the clock, right? Uh, Time Mm -hmm. to us is so precious. And I have felt before from the spirit realm that it is meaningful it is meaningful that humans would actually spend time to engage with them and offer reiki or whatever it is i mean it isn't only reiki people that can connect with these beings but my point is that i'll always feel a sort of um gratitude back And that might seem a little odd, but as humans, we feel so constricted by time and time is so precious. And for us to spend that time with them, offering that, not for us at all, but just as a gift, that is seen and appreciated on the other side. It's amazing to me. Again, something unexpected that I encountered. Exactly. I think that's a good point. And as you were talking, I'm thinking it's a two-way street. You know, we don't always just need to receive from spirit. You know, we want spirit to help us, to guide us, to comfort us, to love us, to bring in the angels, bring in the ascended masters, bring in the guides. That's all receiving Mm -hmm. from spirit. Yes. But we have the opportunity and the ability to give back to make that a true two-way street. And how better as Reiki practitioners to do that than to offer them Reiki? Yes. To let them know how much we appreciate them and how grateful we are for their comfort and their guidance and their support and their love. Yes. So the gratitude part works both ways. And you're right. When I offer Reiki to those in spirit, especially those in the highest heavens, as I think Mm -hmm. of it, I have such a feeling of bliss and being uplifted that is very hard to describe in human words. It just feels as if I've done something really wonderful that truly defies human language. And it's so easy to do, mm-hmm. and it means so much. It does. And then bringing it a little bit closer 
closer to home, so to speak, a little bit more earthly for those family members, for those people we love here, our family members, friends, acquaintances, anyone dear to us. Oftentimes, we can offer Reiki to them after they pass because it can be difficult to transition from earth life into spirit. That can be very powerful as well. And you mentioned animals. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. so there's no limit to how we might help with Reiki, who we might or when we might offer Reiki for help. Correct. Exactly. I'm checking my notebook, Kathleen, and guess what? We've run out of questions for this episode. Oh, wow. Those were good questions. I'm I'm excited. I really hope that our listeners send us some more because I like these kinds of episodes where we can address specific questions and maybe help answer some things that people have been curious about for some time. Oh, I totally agree. So yes, please contact us through the beyondthereikigateway.com website. Drop us a line or we have a Facebook page if you're not aware. Beyond the Reiki Gateway podcast, you can just message us through that or simply post your questions right there on the page. We thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care. And before we say our final goodbye, Kathleen and I wish to share our heartfelt gratitude with all of our regular listeners who've chosen to support our all-volunteer effort here at the podcast by leaving positive reviews, sharing about the podcast with your friends and family, and on social media as well, and of course by contributing through donation. It is through your efforts that our audience continues to grow, and Kathleen and I wanted to just say thank you. And we certainly look forward to the next time we meet and explore beyond the Reiki Gateway.